0: Father, this morning we just want to thank you, Father. We just love you, Lord. We just love you. And every moment we are conscious of the fact we don't love you as we ought to love you. That our love for you is, is rubbish, Lord, compared to your love for us. All we can say, Lord, Would your spirit love you through us? We surrender ourselves, spirit, soul, body. We come to you boldly because you said we can come. We plead the blood that cleanses, as your word says, of every unrighteousness. The spirit who sanctifies to the ministry of the word that cleanses. Speak to us, Lord, this morning. Let even the little ones who are seated here be able to receive. Because today you said, we read, we sang. Not to stop the children from coming to you. That out of the mouth of babes and sucklings you have ordained wisdom. So I pray today, even the little ones will receive That message you have for us today. Speak to us. Our hearts, our ears, our minds, be tuned to you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We go to Genesis chapter 16, in verse 7 and 8. You know, in the context of what we've been looking at, wilderness, wandering, the world as a wilderness, life as a wilderness, we as pilgrims and sojourners, putting all these concepts together. The angel of the Lord found her, that is Hagar, by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. Okay, that's Jesus. Now we are not talking about Hagar or the wilderness. Today's message is Got nothing to connect it with any of that, but there's a question the angel asks Hagar. Now this is not Hagar specific. The questions God asks is humanity specific questions. Every question God utters in the Bible. Okay, and you need to every time. I'm going to keep something like this. Not the usual marker, but this marker, okay? Because you mark with the other one, because the print paper, it will seep through. Use this one, which is more wax. But use it every place. You don't have a red-letter Bible, or even if you have a red-letter Bible, every place where God asks a question, mark it. Then ask Lord, what are you asking me? What is the right answer? All the way through the Bible. Old Testament, Malachi is full of questions. If, then What? Well, full of questions. Okay. Questions are important. And here there is a human specific question. To everyone seated here. Everyone around the world, God asks this question. Do you know where you are coming from? Do you know where you are going? Do you know where you are coming from? Every child we believe, no? God tells Jeremiah, even before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. So we know where every life comes from, where a child comes from. But it doesn't mean, therefore, every child goes back to where it came. Okay. So the second part of the question, do you know where you are going? Are you sure of what, where you're going? Where you're going? Because one of the often questions that is asked, the question that is asked is, why do you spend so much time preaching and teaching the Word of God? Seven days a week you do not leave us alone. Then once in a while you come and ask also, did you hear? Did you listen to that? We are down halfway down the seventh month. Question we need to ask. Where are you going? Okay. So we are not talking about Hagar. We are not talking about wilderness. We are not talking about any of this. You are just focusing on this question. Do you know where you are going? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 says, puts it across this way. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. Your heart and your mind the holy spirit through the apostle paul says should be set on another place where you are going you no know, every every day literally till this morning that's because specifically because we are in ministry and even more because my wife is a praying wife we get requests keeps on coming Till this morning, this morning the requests, news we get, request is that somebody has got cancer. All sicknesses are not the same. Another, okay, pray for somebody who lost his wife. Okay. Depression, disease, death rules the world. We are facing a time in history like never before, where the suicide. Rates among teen is the highest ever recorded. When you should be so full of life and looking forward to vibrant and having fun and all, they're just killing themselves. And when I hear stuff like that, I tell my wife, I mean it's it's shocking because I tell my wife honestly, before saved, after salvation, I can honestly stand before God and say, it's Never ever has the thought crossed my mind to kill myself. Never. Never. But today what you hear is, what has happened? So the question, do you know where you are coming from? Do you know where you are going? The question of eternity, the question of God, the question of heaven, Therefore, the question of hell. Religion has no answer. So if you take the Quran, if you manage to get a hand of the Koran of English translation, you open the first text, the surah. It's an invocative prayer of a man. It's
1: the prayer of a man.
0: <coughs> prayer of a man. Uh, invocative prayer of a man. That's how the Quran begins. Because there are primarily only three religions. Judeo-Christianity, I try to put it as one. Then Islam. And then Hinduism. Primarily Jainism, Buddhism are all basically offshoots. So primarily three religions. And if you go to Hinduism, we go finally narrow down to one primary text. The primary text, they would say, is the Gita. And if you open the Gita, it begins with a rhetorical question of the Kauravas' father, the king, Trishrashtra, asking his confidant and his charioteer, Sanjaya. Sanjaya means victory. About what is going to happen between his sons and Pandu's sons, the Pandavas. A rhetorical question. That's how that religious text begins. But the Bible begins completely different. In the beginning, God. It's not an invocative prayer of a man. It's not a question one man is asking another man. The Bible begins so drastically differently. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the first three chapters of the Bible, Genesis, which means beginnings goes to the root of everything. And the last three chapters of the Bible goes to the end of everything. There's no book, no other book, which conclusively gives you everything about the beginning and the end of man. Absolutely. All the other books have no clue. No clue. This book, which the devil keeps man away from, It's a book of hope. Incredible, real hope. And we've been doing these studies Mondays and Fridays, in-depth studies on the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation begins with this incredible text. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation of Jesus Christ. Whom God gave. Okay, whom God gave to his servants. This is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And then, chapter after chapter after chapter, it unfolds things that are going to happen. It unfolds the state of every church. Like I said, seven is the number of God's completeness. So there are seven letters written to seven churches for all ages, because in this seven is... Everything God wants to tell, what I will look for, and what I find right, what I find wrong. Seven churches, the number completeness. Like I said, if you read at the epistles of Paul, Paul wrote many letters to many churches, but only seven letters are preserved to seven churches. Seven letters to seven churches. The other letters are written to individuals. Why? Because God says that seven is enough for you to get ready for that place. So the question, where are you going? We all know where we came from. I hope we know where we came from. The question is, it doesn't matter where you came from. It does matter where you are going. So if you look at the Bible, and if you look at how God deals with humanity over there, there are two compelling things that God does. First is to get everybody in. And Jesus will use words like the king telling his servants, go to the byways and the streets and compel them to come. And Paul will use words like the love of God constrains me and the terror of the Lord I want. Because if you know the end, it's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. And things are so rapidly moving towards that. It's rapidly. There's something that is stinking in the land of Denmark. Okay. That's from Shakespeare's play, Hamlet. There's something stinking in the land of Denmark. There's something happening behind the scenes that there is something that is speeding up their agenda of this one world government. But we know if the one world God come, comes into being, then Christ comes for his church. And when, if you go to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, okay, we need to understand what scripture is talking about. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. When it uses the word shortly takes place, it is using a different concept Altogether, it says when that happens, it will be so fast that you'll be caught by surprise. So whole series of events are mentioned over there. God says when it happens, you will be shocked with the rapidity of things that are happening. And you look at the warnings Jesus himself said, Europe and America is burning under scorching heat. 66% of India is under floods and Korea is under floods. Floods on one side, wildfires in Canada which may go on the whole of the year, half the world under scorching heat. And God says, all of creation is groaning. Everything is screaming for our attention. Something and shortly take place. And among the things that will shortly take place, It's the coming of Jesus Christ for his church. Not the second coming, the coming of Jesus Christ for the church. The coming of Jesus Christ for the church is the most rapid thing in human history. It is called the twinkling of an eye. It's a microsecond. It will be so fast that
1: nobody
0: will have time to get ready or to repent. Before you finish blinking your eye, the church will be gone. It will be just gone like that. Okay. So there are two compelling factors in our life. One, the prayer requests, all the prayer requests. Unsaved loved ones, unsaved loved ones, unsaved loved ones. What is that? Compelling desire for them to get in. Get in, get in. And the other compelling desire, those who have gotten, prepare. 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 In three days time, we have a wedding. And so much preparation, even though it's says we are a small, relatively small church and therefore a relatively small wedding. There is so much preparation that goes into it. Right? Because things should not. It is an event. The actual part of the event is less than five minutes. Do you take this girl as you? I do. I do. Exchange the rings. It's over. The actual thing, the actual thing is only five minutes. But the amount of preparation that goes for it. That goes for it. But I keep telling every couple when they come for counseling, including two couples this week, we spend so much time, energy and resources preparing for a wedding. Maximum three hours is the whole thing, including reception, four hours for the latecomers who come to eat the leftovers, and you have to put it in very subtle ways so that they will come early. But very few people actually prepare for marriage. Wedding is just a small event. Marriage is a lifetime. And people prepare for the wedding and you have event planners, wedding planners, all these planners. And then after they finish, we are marriage planners. (laughs) People do not prepare for marriage. The whole Bible is written to the children of God so that we are prepared for eternity. We are prepared for eternity. In Revelation 21, 1 and 2. Okay, little children, now listen carefully. Amen. Revelation 21, 1 and 2. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. What we see now, when we look up, what all we can see now, everything has passed away. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing is there. Everything you are holding and hiding. Everything you are proudly displaying. Nothing is there. It's all gone. And there was no more sea. Then I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared, prepared. As a bride adorned for a husband. So the question is, is it a bride or is it a city? I used the example on Friday while I was teaching. Okay? If I say, Hyderabad is a beautiful place, what am I talking about? The city. If I say Hyderabad is an evil city, who am I talking about? The people. Okay. Prepared. Look at that word, prepared. Prepared. First thing you see over there, there are three places. A new heaven, a new earth, and a new city. Okay? There's a fourth place, We'll get into that later. In verse three, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and their God. The first person who is introduced over there is the father. The father is there. In verse 22, Then I saw no temple in it for the Lord Almighty and the Lamb. Jesus is there. And when you come to the third verse, which I have given is verse 17. The spirit and the bride are there. Okay. So there is the father, the son, the spirit, and the bride. So the question is, where are you going? Are you prepared for where you are going? If you say, I am saved, I am going to heaven. Are you prepared? Are you prepared for where you are going? First, be sure you you know where you are going. Second, are you sure? Are you prepared for where you are going? Because by the time the Bible ends, there are actually only two destinations. Only two destinations. Revelation 19:20 introduces the first destination, second destination. The beast was captured. With him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. So there is another place. It's not hell. It's not hell. It's worse than hell. It's worse than hell. It's the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Brimstone is the old English term for modern day you lose the term sulfur. Okay. When you come to chapter 20 and verse 10, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. Not where, are. They were thrown in a thousand years ago before. This fellow is thrown in there a thousand years later. Okay? And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then when you read 13 to 15, the scene of judgment is beginning. Okay? Jesus is seated on the throne. Skies and heaven all flee from his presence. Okay? Judgment begins. And when judgment begins, The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then, death and Hades. So, are they places? Or are they spirits? Answer, both. They too are thrown. So, all the dead which you think about are not all in the same places. There are millions and millions and millions of souls who are in the sea. And when Jesus says, Rise! All the dead will rise from the sea. All the dead will come back from Hades. All the dead will come from death. And they will stand. This is the second resurrection. Always stand before him. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So The most important thing is that it doesn't matter. You don't have an Aadhaar card. You don't have a passport. You don't have a driving license. You don't have your name in any book. If your name is in that book, you're safe. If your name is not in that book, you are in big trouble. Big, big trouble. And you cannot write there. He writes there. Because it is the Lamb's book of life. You cannot be too good to be in that book. You cannot be too bad to be in that book. You have to believe. You have to repent and believe. And he writes your name there. That's the most important thing that your name is there. Now, in 2010, the devil who deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prefect are, and they will be tormented day and night. This is something unceasing. fire and brimstone. Mark 948. I'm not going to speak about hell, okay? So you can relax after this. We are not going to talk about heaven. Where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. In the Greek New Testament, with the original language it was written, there are four terms for hell, the place where the dead go. And one of the names is what is called Gehenna. Now you know, during the time of the wicked kings of Israel and Judah, The idolatry and the child sacrifices and all this took place. But when Josiah became king, he brought radical reform. And he took all those things and dumped it outside Jerusalem. And there, fire was lit. That was also the place where the garbage was lit. So the fire there never went out. So God is using an illustration where the Jewish public understands. Gehenna. What is about Gehenna? This is where the garbage comes. And this is where all the dead bodies are thrown. Not of human beings, the animals. Because carcasses are plenty. Because sacrifice is going on. Remember the Jewish religion. So the dead bodies of animals and fire constantly burning. And God says, you know what? When do worms die? Worms die when their host dies. We are the host, the worms live in us. But if you die, unless the worm finds another body, the worm will die. You go into a place neither the fuel nor the host dies so the worms are continuously fed. The fire never goes out. You will say what kind of illustration is. I don't know. But I will tell you We preached on this a long, long time ago, right? All you Google, you, all you Googleites, if you go Google and search, you'll get the pictures to what is called hypothermal worms at the bottom of the sea near the vents. They survive at a temperature of 360 degrees. Water boils at 100. Modern science says the core of the earth, which is boiling hot, almost 90% is sulfur. God wrote this 2,000 years ago, because before science had a clue that one, it is brimstone, and two, there are worms that don't die in the heat, and your body will be forever eaten. And do you know something there? There is fire burning, but there is no light. It's absolute, total, physical, moral, and spiritual darkness. Because God, for the first time, will remove his complete presence from that place. Now we need to understand the urgency of the gospel. Why for 2,000 years, men, women have risked their lives left their homes, left their careers to the ends of the world, died in the process to take this gospel because this is the heart of God that no man should go there. And there is only one way. There is no other way. There is no other way. There is only one way. And that way is that man, Jesus. There is no other way. And you cannot take chances with it. Don't be casual, oh, I've got, I, I, I accepted Jesus. The question is not whether you accepted Jesus. The question is whether Jesus accepted you. Yeah. Oh, I accepted Jesus. Who told you to accept Jesus? Did Jesus accept you? Has the Spirit of God come in you? Is the Spirit of God working in you so that you know where you are going? Don't fool around with this question. Because we who live in the last days, the Bible says, you don't have time. Things will happen so rapidly. And in this last, you look at what these people are speaking openly, like Charles Schwab and all with World Economic Forum, of what they are planning to do with chips and control humanity. What they are saying, and you will understand the meaning, if God did not shorten those days, even the electoral, we say, you will not be able to make a decision. Till will be gone from your hands, they are making the decisions, you become like a robot's. And that's what nobody understood. Anyone who took the mark of the beast. You are condemned forever. The question is, what causes a person to take that mark? What causes? Millions upon millions will take the mark. Everything is being set for it. The Bible is telling us, be careful, be careful, be careful. So the simple question is, There are only two broad classifications. Where are you going? Heaven or hell? And the nature of both. In 2010, the nature of both is forever and ever. And the next verse, 22, 5. And they shall reign forever and ever. The nature of both is forever and ever. It is eternal. There is no exit there. In hell, there is no exit. There is only entry. And those who were in the demonic and wrote those songs under high on drugs and we sang when we were young, they knew what they were talking about. You can always check in, but you can never check out. That's why those two people who secretly, outwardly appear as great people, but secretly serve the, uh, the devil and his agenda, they call their group as a circle. Because you cannot get out of a circle. That's why it's called a circle. You cannot get out of the circle. And the circle is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and people are being pulled into it to prepare this world, a new world order. The Antichrist is coming. Things which people doesn't even bother them. Last week, the news is there. The American president has asked for the reservists to be organized. Whole mainstream media won't even report on it because the last time the reservists were called up was during the Iraq war. Reservists are being called up to start moving to Europe, to the Russian-Ukrainian border. So they are planning for something which we are not even prepared. Only God can stop these things. That's where the church comes in. Pray. Pray. Mercy, Lord. Mercy, mercy. What are we praying for? Not for a good time on earth. So people will cross over, Lord. People will cross over. People will cross over, Lord. When all these compelling situations happen, let them look up and cry, Lord Jesus, have mercy. For there is one name given under the heavens. Only one name. One name. So it's a very sobering thought. You should ask. I should ask. You should ask. You should ask. Do you know where you are going? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Why do we read the wedding bands? Are you sure? You want to go ahead with this?
1: Are you sure?
0: Usually in traditional churches, the last final during the service, final. If anybody has objections, stand up now or forever hold your tongue. Are you sure? You know where you're going? Don't look at outward things. Outward things are irrelevant. If the inward witness is not there. No, I go to church regularly. Don't worry, every Pharisee went. I tithe regularly. They did better than you. I read my Bible. They do more than you. I pray, they prayed. The question is the witness of the Spirit of God. The sweetness of the Spirit of God, who from within tells you. You are my child. And he's constantly fighting you. Cause he envies intensely for you. Because once the Spirit of God comes in, what he's trying to do is to prepare you and me for that place. So Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 3 and verse 11 says, <coughs> He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. He has done something in man. Not animals, not birds, not reptiles, not any other creature. Only in man. What did he do? He put eternity in our hearts. That's why Warren Worsby said, for believers, heaven is not a destination. It is a motivation. Why? Because eternity has been put in our hearts. That's why in simple English, Colossians 3, 2 says, keep your mind things above. Simple English, think heaven. As a man thinketh, so easy. Let us be honest. How many minutes a day or a week do we actually think about heaven? Religion uses a term called afterlife. So I want to use a term if there is afterlife, there is a place called afterplace. Afterlife an after place. Okay. If you look at Jyoti, you can jo- remember Jyoti is preparing in her mind the house, right? Jyoti, she has her own. No? She's preparing. Short-term, long-term plans are there. Okay? The curtains, the bed sheets, the pillow covers. So you should, okay? Otherwise, it's just a house. It cannot be a home. A home is a prepared place. Houses where bachelors live. Whenever I visited my bachelors, when they were bachelors, without warning, it was a pigsty. With warning, all you had to do, it look neat, but just lift the sheet, everything had been put inside. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 to 4, Paul, Apostle Paul, we believe it is he talking about himself, had an extraordinary experience. It is not doubtless, not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, he talks about an experience. This man, probably Paul himself, had 14 years ago. Whether in the body I do not know, whether out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. So he says, in the body or out of body, I am not very sure. I only know I had an experience. And he uses two terms. One term he uses in verse 2 is third heaven. Another word he uses, the word is the word paradise. Two words. Okay. So there is a place called third heaven. In third heaven, there is a place called paradise.
1: Okay?
0: Paradise is from that original Persian term paradisa, which actually means garden. Which actually means garden. So paradise people believe was the garden of Eden. Is the garden of Eden. Theologians also believe this was during, this 14 years ago, this incident happened one of those times when Paul was traveling Ramam, Vishnu, they stoned him to death. And then the apostles, others gathered and he came back to life. And when he died, he had this experience. Out of body, in the body, in the spirit, we do not know, he had an experience where he went. It had such a profound influence on him His later statements are all different. In Philippians 1.21, he will say, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is? How does death become gain? Because he had such a radical vision of heaven. And suddenly he realized, death is actually gain. Death is gain. You see, when Moses was asked to build the tabernacle in the Old Covenant, one of the things he was told was one, listen carefully and do it carefully because what you are doing are types of what is in heaven. The original is heaven, you are just making a replica here, so be very careful. Don't make your own kind, the replica should suit with what is there in heaven. So if you turn with me to Colossians chapter two, verse sixteen and seventeen, it said, "Let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. What all the things in the old covenant, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ." So there is a shadow. We are all. All of you look in the mirror. You actually looked at a shadow. The substance is what you will look then. This is not what is real. It's just, I'm looking at shadows. It's not what is real. This is not your permanent future. This is not what anyone who is saved is going to look like. If you are not saved, you will look like this, worse than this. But you are saved, you will definitely look better than this. This is just a shadow. Everything that you are looking around is just a shadow. The reality is in heaven. In 2nd Corinthians chapter 5, 16 and 17. Therefore, now on we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. He says we have seen Christ in the flesh. But even that was a shadow. That is why the John who leaned on to Christ's chest on the day last supper, I was closest to him. Then he saw Jesus, a tiny revelation of what Jesus really is like, what we are looking at in the Revelation studies. It is written, I fell like one dead at his feet. That's not the Jesus who walked on earth. That was just a shadow. That was just a shadow. So he says, that was a shadow. I don't want to know the shadow. I want to know the real one. The real one. The substance. The real one. So there are copies and there are originals, shadow and substance. And when we study the word of God, we will see that. In Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Revelation 21.1, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Do you see that? In Genesis 1, one, the beginning, I saw it. the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Revelation 21, that's gone. That's gone. The whole thing is gone. The shadow land. Poor shadow people. The substance comes, and there's a new set of people over there. They have changed. In Genesis 1, verse 4 and 5. The Lord saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So evening and morning were the fuss. Day. Revelation 22 and verse 5. There shall be no night there. All creation. There was day. There was night. That's why you are caught like this. There's no night there. Only day. No night. Verse 16. Then God made two great lights, the great light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and he made the stars. What do we call that? Sun and moon. Revelation twenty-one twenty-three. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it for the glory of God illuminated it. The lamp is its light. There is no sun. There is no moon. Genesis 1:10 God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called the seas and the God saw so that it was good Revelation 21:1 also there was no more sea In Genesis 3:14 to 18 the curse comes on the satan on the serpent on the soil pregnancy marriage everything is cursed Revelation 22 and verse 3. 22 and verse 3. There shall be no more curse. Genesis 3 and verse 19. Genesis 3. For out of, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, from dust you are, Unto dust you shall return. What is that? Death. In Revelation 21, verse 4, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. There's no death. In Genesis 3 and verse 24, so he drove out the man. He drove out the man in Revelation twenty-two and verse fourteen. Blessed are those who do His commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through. He is brought back into the city and to the tree of life. Genesis three seventeen. You have sorrow. You have pain. You have all those things in twenty one four. The Bible says there shall be no more. Death, sorrow, crying, no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Okay. So it's not like what we think. Because you're so fascinated with this old creation that is passing away, and we waste most of our time thinking about it. Even when we think about our future, we are thinking about a future that is on a shadow that is passing away, and not on the eternal that is coming. And the Bible says, How do you fight? We have this word, resist. How do you resist? Because when sorrow and grief and death and famine and depression and discouragement, all these things plaguing the earth, how do you resist the devil? By thinking on things that are above. Thinking on things that are coming. Because we are being prepared. So in John chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, Jesus says this, most assuredly, He tells Nicodemus, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, He cannot enter into the Kingdom of God. You cannot. Don't even try. You will not see. You will not understand. You cannot enter into the Kingdom. You have to be born from above. By the Spirit, through the Spirit, you have to be born. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of Spirit is Spirit. It's just like you take a stone, take it as high as you want, you release it, it comes down. You take a balloon, fill it with helium, take it as low as you want, you release it, it goes up. Because what is inside is different. Flesh is flesh, it will go down. Spirit is spirit, it will go up. That's a proof. Where your mind is, where your heart is. If your heart and mind is flesh, it is always going down. But if you have been born of the Spirit and you are allowing the Spirit to speak to you and allowing the Spirit to lead you, it is always leading you up. Keeping your mind on that. That is where you are going. I am preparing you. Why is this happening to me? Because you are being prepared for that. Why is this happening to me? Because you need to get rid of this out of your mind and out of your life because this does not fit in there. That is why questions matter. That is that's a question. Like I said, uh, the Bible is full of questions. The first words recorded about Jesus Christ is is a question, right? He's lost according to his parents, but found according to him. Three days later they come and say, son, how could you do like this? First question, why were you we seeking me? You were seeking me because your heart and mind was below. If your heart and mind were above, you would have just said, oh Lord, where is your son? You would have told me he's at my business. Didn't you know I was at my father's business? Why were you so worried and looking for me everywhere? Because your heart and mind was at the wrong place. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Two people start following him. He turns back and says, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? And they said, Lord, where do you stay? He said, come and see. And they stayed with him that day. So God is asking this question, Hagar, hey where are you going? And God is asking us the question, all of us, including me, is asking, do you know where you're going? These things which you do, these things in which you spend so much effort and time and energy on, in which way is it helping you? Are you going to take this then? Is this actually becoming an end, a hindrance? Because if you read both chapter 21 and 22, 21 and 22, both these chapters, there's a list of things or kind of people who will never enter into that city. So we have to be careful. will not enter. It's not free entry. It's restricted entry. So we have to be careful because God is preparing us. God is preparing us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 50, this I say to you, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Flesh and blood won't inherit the kingdom of God. So we saw Solomon saying, God has put eternity in every heart. Eternity in every heart. Now listen carefully. Psalm 16 and verse 11, if I am right. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand is what? Our pleasures. for two words used. One is the word called joy. The other is the word called pleasure. Now, we'll use a term which is there in English. In English, it's there in economics, it's there in science. It's a common word in commerce. Everywhere you have that word. But what it actually means, okay? Use the words like primary, secondary, use the word called derivative. Like you have in math, derivatives. God has put eternity in our hearts. Though I have given it, we don't have to go over there. Genesis 126 seconds says, We, not animals, not birds, not reptiles, nothing else. Man was made in the image of God. So there is something that is primary. And there is something that is derivative. Okay? So the primary is God. That is why it is written in the beginning God. Before the beginning of anything, God was always there, everlasting to everlasting. Why are flowers beautiful? Because God is beautiful. The beauty of the flower is derivative. Why are puppies cute? Because God is cute. God is not cute. Puppies won't be cute. Why is sports fun? Because God is fun. Why is study and hard work rewarded? Because God rewards. Why is work fulfilling? Because God is fulfilling. Everything derives its meaning only if it is true in God. Otherwise, it's not true. That's why animals who are made not in the image of God They don't have these derivative functions. You don't see a dog looking at a flower and then biting it and taking it to its female partner because it never marries. Because there is nothing derivative happening over there. Because they do not have an internal spiritual connection with the primary. We are made in God's image. God put eternity into our hearts. So the thing is that we are so stuck with the derivative without realizing the primary is God. In your presence, every joy I experience comes because you are the God of joy. There is fullness. Every pleasure, man like you remember long, long ago, Cyril man is wired for pleasure. Even the one who is a chewing. Why do you chew chewing gum? Because it gives you pleasure in your jaws. And if it gets stuck in your tooth when you take out, it gives you another kind of pleasure. We are wired for pleasure. You know why? It's derivative. That's why man is the only creature on earth who can eat 365 days a year and as many times a day he wants. Because he's not eating for sustenance unlike the other creatures. He's eating for pleasure. He's eating for pleasure. Animals mate only in their seasons. Humans have no season. And this is how the enemy sets up the derivative at the cost of the eternal. The young men sitting over here, those of you who drink quietly secretly, why do you drink? It's derivative. Because the drinking gives you high. You know why? Because God is high. But it's the wrong way, it leads you to death. Why do you smoke marijuana? Why do you are on drugs? Because you're going for a derivative of a pleasure which is warped by the enemy so that you will never enter into the fullness which God offers. Because He's put eternity into our hearts. Why do human beings alone get married? No other creature does. Because it's a derivative of who God is, was married to Israel. Christ will be married to the church. It's all derivative. Why is the question of God so hotly debated only among human beings and never under any other creatures? Because it is derivative we were made in his image. Why is the question of sexuality being quite hotly debated among humans and no animal is wasting their time discussing sexuality because he made us male and female in his image? Why is gender confusion only among humans and no animals are wasting their time or breath over it because we were made in his image, both masculine and feminine? Everything is derivative. The devil has created nothing, but what he does is he takes what God has created and he knows we are wired for pleasure and wired for joy and he warps it and destroys it. That's where we have to be careful. God says, this is just a shadow. This is just a shadow. A substance is there. Don't get fooled. Don't get because what he will do, he will take you away from me who is the source of everything and get you caught in the derivatives and mess up your life. That's why I always tell the young people, work hard. If you can get good marks, but even if you don't get great marks, work hard. Why? You're not going to take your marks to heaven, but you're taking your work ethics to heaven. I'm not going to take your marks. Nobody's mark sheet will be there in heaven. But whether you are a hard worker or a lazy worker, you will decide your position in heaven. All these things which we talk about and the world, the world and the church does not talk on the same language, on the same wavelength. Because the church, the real church should be preparing our people for heaven and spending their time and energy on it. So the way we look at our children and the way they look at their children are not the same. Here we dedicated our children for the glory of God. Not for the glory of the world. So it is not academic excellence which God gives. Praise be to God. But how does she reach there? It's not beauty of the face but it is the beauty of the meek and acquired quiet spirit. Which is beautiful of great value in the eyes of God. So why? Because we are looking at what is eternal. Because these two in your presence is? Forever. It's forever. It's forever. How do you know something in you is of God? Because it is forever. How do you know it is not of God? It just goes. It just goes. Why? Because it is not forever. It does not have the power to sustain it because it is not. It is a derivative whose origin is not of God. It is of the flesh and it is of the world. Think about it. You bought a few, you spent money which you did not, could not afford, bought this new clothes and this thing and all this thing and you felt so good for a day. And then? You felt so great on your wedding day. What about the marriage? That's why only in the kingdom of God we say marriage should be like wine. The older it gets, the better it becomes. Why? Because it's a derivative of something that is eternal. Otherwise, it gets worse. It gets worse. Because you are not looking at the eternal and trying to resolve through your your differences. Because now you took the scripture and you are using it to fight. The two shall become one. But which one? Zami. Jyoti. Which one? That one. So both are changing. Both are changing. Both are changing. Why? Because they need, they need to realize, I need to change. She's realized, I need to change because we are being being conformed to that one, which is eternal. Eternal. Why was a young man like Daniel able to say no in Babylon? Because he knew this derivative that is spread before him is not connected to the eternal. Actually, it is against the eternal. But temporal, it looks good. But it's not eternal. In the long run, it will cost me. the long run, it will cost me. So one sin came in and man was cut off from God. That's the first thing that happened, right? When man was cut off from God, the secondary became primary. Now we are just living for pleasure. We are not living for God, who is the source of pleasure. We took God out of the picture and now we are living for pleasure. Depending upon our capacity. So there is this man who has been given the most capacity under sun. Therefore, he tried everything under sun. And how did he reach? Empty. I went with this full force, full vigor, empty. I went after this, empty. I went after this, empty. But everything that you are running after is not primarily wrong in itself, but it's just a derivative. Why is it empty? Because you've been cut off from God. You've been cut off from God. That's why it's empty. Not that wisdom is empty. Wisdom without God is empty. We read this, we study this, we read this, we study this, we never get tired. Because it is a derivative. Not the word of God, but we are looking for the God of the word. But when we did our PhDs, we got tired. And Pastor Vijay, do you remember your PhDs? He said, you don't want to remember it at all. Hmm. Don't want to remember it at all. Why? (laughs) Old things have passed away. (laughs) We all have made all things new. Are we getting the picture, young people, young children? Okay. Okay. And with young children, that is what God is telling about. We had a dedication. We read from Deuteronomy 6. God says, you know what? Love me with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul, with all your strength, because I am the source. And when you walk with your children, when you sit with the children, then you walk with them. When you lie down, when you stand them, don't let them focus on the derivative. Let them focus on the source, so that they will enjoy the derivative. When you walk on the streets, and you know when you walk on the streets, or let us say in our listening, our little gully, you, know, you are playing football with a child. There is so much pleasure in playing football or badminton or racing on the cycle. You need to tell them, you know what? Do you know why you find pleasure? That's the reason. That's the reason. That's the reason. It's your birthday. Dogs don't celebrate birthday. Cats don't celebrate birthday. If you celebrate the cat's birthday, you celebrate the cat's birthday. The cat gets extra fish but doesn't know why he gets it. But when you celebrate your child's birthday, you look at the joy of the child. You have even more joy. The child forgets, you don't forget. Why? Because deliver you from him from him. You realize when a sinner repents and gets into the kingdom of God, there is fireworks in heaven, there's so much joy. So much joy. So you need to understand where am I going? I'm going to a place where first you are there. That's the first thing. You are there. Your presence. Then in your presence, there is fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore. That's how we started. Heaven is a place, but the place will have no meaning without the person. Okay? So, you look at houses. You look at houses. Like we have, being pastors, we have the privilege of visiting all houses. I visited poorest of poorest houses on earth. I visited very rich houses. Eight here, ate there in the CM's house in Hyderabad. At lunch. And you have eaten. In a small little hut. But you know. This is a home. This is a house. All the five star trappings. Here just. Newspaper pasted on. Cardboard or. Wooden planks. But you know what made this different. It is the persons. You know there is love there. You know there is peace there. They have everything. But they don't have presence. They have hardly anything. But there is presence. Where does the joy come from? Where does your pleasure come from? Is it from presence? Anybody can build a house. It takes God to build a home. Homes don't need much things. It needs people. So before you think, talk the place, we have to talk the person. The person. In his presence. In his presence. There is fullness of joy. It's his presence. It's not the problem. It's a presence. Moses had more problems than any man could have in life, trying to take 600,000 rebellious, stiff-necked people through the wilderness from clothing to water to food to everything. He had to take care of it. And God said, My presence shall go with you and you shall have rest. He got so fascinated with the presence of God. And when God said, I will send an angel and drive out the enemies, he said, If your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want to go from here. Wilderness is home because of your presence. Okay. So, to all married husbands and wives, and the to be married in three days time, okay, make your home full of presence. If you want your husband to come back home, it has to be a home. Otherwise, he'll make his office home. It's the presence. It's the presence. Children bring joy into a house. Be sure they bring joy. It's the presence. Not all children, but all children should. And Jesus loved children. The disciples looked at them as a burden. Jesus said, was so greatly displeased. He said, Don't let the children stop. He says, in the midst of all this problem, they bring me some joy. The Bible says he took them in his arms and he blessed them. Ask these questions. Because the closest to heaven on earth we can create is home. Not office. It's home. It's home. And that's why the devil fights individuals, fights marriages, fights homes. He doesn't fight offices, have you noticed? He doesn't fight offices. He says, work there and sit there and work there as long as you want. I will also leave you alone, as long as you don't go home. I don't know anybody read John Donne. He was an English poet. British English poet. He said, no man ever saw God and loved. Yet I shall not love till I see God. Yeah. Yeah. Think about these people, their words. No man ever saw God and loved. Yet I shall not live till I see God. Yeah. Yeah. Paul's words. For me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses one to five. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in heaven. So when the Bible talks about a city or a house, it talks about two levels of meaning. One, your body is your house in which your soul lives. And then your body will also get another house. So there are two houses. Two houses. One is your body. One is your body. Once you are saved and starts moving into the understanding of where you are going and who you are going to, in this we groan. Honestly. Desiring to be clothed with our inhabit our habitation which is from heaven. Are you understanding it? I don't know where you are getting it. The nature of the fallen man's body, it's restricted. Even if you like eating and you're a foodie, after some time you want to throw up. And you throw up. Even if you're a workaholic, after some time you fall asleep on the desk. Even if you love your wife too much, you still get tired of her. And even if you love your husband so much, you still want him to get out. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Because the first one, men all love. Second one, all the women are saying, hallelujah. (laughs) Did you see that? The nature of the old body, verse 3. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent, grown, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed by life. So he talks about this body as being mortal. The other body is in which actually can contain life. Can contain life. Now when you go to buy this fish, Fish, no. For you, a little jars. They give that fish in a plastic cover, right? In a plastic cover. Imagine you take that fish and release it into the river.
1: Look at them. Ooh,
0: it's gone. That's how this body will be when it is released. Spirit, soul will be when it is released from this into the other. That is life. Because in this body and what God has for you, everything is restricted. Everything is limited. And the devil knows that. So he takes people down the wrong path and destroys them. Because he hates man. With pure hatred. Because God loves man. Go to First Corinthians chapter 15, 38. But God gives it a body, i talking about post-resurrection, okay, when you go to heaven, if you happen to go to heaven, when that day comes, make sure, okay, where you are going. Gives it a body as it pleases and to each seed it its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, another of birds. There are also, now he's moving from the earth level to the next level. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. Now he comes to word. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it is raised in in corruption. So you know what he is saying. It is sown in corruption, but it is raised incorruptible. It's sown in dishonor, but is raised up in glory. Can I have the the next words also? I didn't give it. I think forty two, forty three. It is sown in, dishonor; It will be raised in. It is sown in. Weakness. It is raised in. You will never get tired. You will never get tired in heaven. There is no sweat. There is no tiredness. I have a feeling you will never sleep. But the new body will not need sleep. The God of Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. It is a completely different. In hell it is the other way. You will long to sleep, but you cannot sleep. You are tormented day and night. You will be thirsty forever, but not a drop. You will be hungry forever, but not morsel. Truth of God's word. Luke 24, 39-43. to 43. Behold, in, this is Jesus' post-resurrection. Behold, my hands and my feet, that is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. So we are seeing a prototype of the resurrection body we are going to get.
1: He says, touch me.
0: I'm not a disembodied spirit floating around. He says, touch me. He's the firstborn of the dead. His body is what we are going to get. He says, touch me. her have bones, I have flesh. And while they did not believe for joy and marvel, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. He took it and ate in their presence. John 20 and verse 19. In the same day in the evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood. So you see, Two different things: touch me and you touch me, you can see bones and flesh. you give me more fish and honeycomb. I will also eat. so at on one level, the nature seems to be the same. The other level is just walk through shut doors. So the body is not the same, though it may look similar. You are not constrained by space or time or anything. All the limitations of this body limitations as we you don't even know. It's all taken out. Sickness, weakness, mobility, all is gone. Immobility, everything is gone. In 1 John 3, 2, this is what the word of God says. Beloved, now we are children of God. Yeah, we are children of God. positionally we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. We shall be like him. Like him. So Eden was not destroyed or lost. What was lost was man's ability to enjoy Eden. That's why we will get a new body. We will get a new body. Because a place where we are going, this old body would be such a misfit. No, It's like going to let us say Sweden or Norway. We will look like short people. Every the lady is also six one, six two. But if you go to Nepal and all, you'll feel tall. <laughs> because everybody is five feet one, five feet two. That's why in the Indian Army, British Army, the only exception about height is for we'll go to the Gorkha regiment. But they are warlike, but they are short. So this body will be completely misfit in the place where we are going. We don't want to go there with this body. This body is good for hell. Terrible for heaven. Revelation 21 and verse 1 and 2. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the new heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. Then I saw John, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. I'm just showing you little parts. That's why I wanted the little children here, though some of them fell asleep. It's okay. Okay? It's okay. Their children are children. Okay? They're small children. That's why you in the Sunday school, the teacher has the prodding stick to keep them awake. Okay? You go to verses 15 to 17, the city. Not the bride, the city is described now, listen to the city being de- I'm just giving little part part of the city. He who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its wall. The city is laid out as a squire as a squire. Its length is as great as its breadth, and he measured the city with the reed twelve thousand furlongs, its length, breadth, and height are. Equal. Then he measured its wall 144 cubits according to the measure of a man. That is of an angel. So the city is a cube. Length, breadth and height. What is the length of the city? 1500 miles. What is the breadth of the city? 1500 miles. What is the height of the city? 1000? Now what is Burj Khalifa? 820 meters, less than a mile. Man's greatest accomplishment upwards is how much? Less than a mile. Do you know the highest height a commercial air, airplane flies? Between 6 to 8 miles. What is the height of the city? 1,500 miles. Do you know the city God is building for his people? Do you know how big it is? It's beyond our imagination. It's given in detail. Revelation chapter 21 and 22 gives in detail the size of the city. And that is only one part. Because there is heaven, there is this city, and there is this earth. It's, the city will come down from heaven and seems to be like stopping over earth, hovering over there, going up 1500 miles. Dazzling like glass, transparent streets are transparent gold. How can this body fit in that city? You wouldn't know. You can't even walk there. That is why these people understand, and they're groaning to be released from this body because they're looking at what is happening. And here, people are naming and claiming for this city called Babylon. And saints are groaning to be released to go to that city. Do you know where you are going? So mind boggling it is. Go back and read 22, 1, 21, 1 again. I saw a new heaven and new earth. There is a new earth also, new heaven. And the first earth had passed away. Also there was no sea. There was no Do you know more than 60% of the earth's surface is covered by sea? So what is the new earth where there is no sea? Think about it. Only 30, 30, 35% of earth is land. The rest is sea. Of that 30% of land, most of it cannot be inhabited. Either it is mountains or deserts or wilderness. So that, Population is struck into parts. But in the new earth, there is no sea. Everything changes. Everything changes. That's why I wanted the children to sit down. Because I wanted them to be, at least be happy. They will be happy because they want to go there. So when Jesus uses a term in John 14, 1, 2, 3... Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be. And when we hear about this place, we say, what a place. What? Ah, uh, place are we going? But there is myself and the place. What makes a place special is not its logistics, its dimensions. It is because of the person. But the place itself is mind-blowing. If you look at Revelation 1 and verse 2, I saw the city, New Jerusalem, coming out of heaven, down to earth it's coming down twenty one verses twenty one to twenty seven again we see other things. The twelve gates were twelve poles each individual gate by the time we, by the way we heard about those cubits, so the, the measurement of the wall, the breadth of the wall. the breadth of the wall in modern measurement translated is two hundred and eighteen feet. This From here to that wall must be like 100 feet. Not even 100 feet. The walls of the city of Jerusalem is 218 feet thick. Each gate is one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold. Like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. We don't go to church, we live in church. No more do we go to church, we live in church. Because the city is the temple, and the temple is the city, and God and Jesus is the light. Then, The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it, and the Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. That means earth is also populated. Populated by whom we do not know. All are saved. But all the saved, I keep on telling you, don't go to the same place. Then God is not just, he is not righteous. If all that's what the Democrats want to do in America, everybody has to get the same marks. It doesn't work like that. Imagine you all go to school, one student studies six days a week, another doesn't even go to class, and they both get the same mark. Who would say it's not fair? It's not fair. So there are people in the earth, there are kings on earth, then there are people in that city. So it is not the same. There is a bride. There are people for the wedding supper of the Lamb, And John the Baptist said, My joy is that of the bridegroom's friend. So all kinds of categories are there. And God said, Now you are saved. Prepare. Prepare. Because the ultimate preparation is to be the bride. The bride. That's why I think heaven and verse 25 its gate shall not be shut at all by day why? because there is no night and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it but there shall be by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life that's why we fight certain things in life so that we don't know and Because that's eternity. Matthew 8 verse 11 I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. There are two things here. One is the wedding feast of the Lamb. That means in heaven, Stanley, you may be out of a job. The cuisine is out of this out of this world. There's a lot of feasting in heaven. You don't have to worry about obesity, or you don't have to worry about dysentery. There's a lot of eating in heaven. There is food in heaven. Jesus. Revelation 19, nine. blessed are those who call for the marriage. There's eating there. Now, I do not know how it is going to be, but I know human mind, no chef on, on the, under the sun has ever conceived any menu like that. But I also, I do not know, but if we, I, I do not understand how God will do it, but I know God will do it. One thing is that, I'll, I'll come to that, I'll come to that. Let me see. Yeah. Go to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21. Who will transform our lowly body that it may conform to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. This word lowly body in other translation the word used is the body of humiliation. The body of humiliation. So it doesn't matter who you are. Prince or pauper. It's a body of humiliation. You can eat the best cuisine in the most expensive restaurant in the world. After some time you will run to the loo. Because your natural system works like that after the fall. It has to be ejected. You drink the most expensive wine in the most expensive restaurant. A little later you are running to the loo. What happened? Because it's a body of humiliation. You walk a little, you start sweating. Start sweating. I do believe in eternity, all this is eliminated. It's not there. There's no humiliation there. We are going to get a glorious body. There's no humiliation. There are no restrooms. If you ever go to school in class, little ones, you will not be able to tell your teacher because there is no one or two. This is a different body. No disease, no sickness, no obesity, no anemia, no anorexia, nothing. Because when you think about these things, that's what the Bible says, when you're going through life and when you're going through, keep your mind on it. This is all. Look, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, 17, 18. Very powerful verses of people who have understood what, where we are going. We do not lose heart, even though the outward man is. We don't lose heart. Because the inward man is being prepared for another body and another place inward man is being renewed day by day. And for our light affliction. Which is but for a moment. What is he talking about? All the sufferings you face in life. He says, what is it? It's very light. How is it light? Only in comparison to the Eternal weight of glory. Eternal weight, meaning heavy weight of glory. You have to look at your afflictions, otherwise you will not be, why do people get depressed? Why do get people dis- discouraged? Because they do not have a hope of where they are going and what they are going to get into. If you really realize all that I go through life, one, time wise, what's it, what is it? Momentary. Eternity versus but for a, your 80 years of life is just a moment compared to eternity. So 80 years, let us say, all your life it was suffering. It's just a moment. And that causes it to be light. Eternal weight of glory. That's why the ancient saints all kept their mind on things above. And therefore they were of a great earthly good. So they kept their mind there. They said, "Oh, this is nothing, this is nothing, ah, this is nothing, this is nothing, because I know what I'm going to get. I know where I'm going. And verse 18 says, for the, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but we look at the things which are not seen. Revelation 21 and 22 unfolds, gives us a glimpse of things which are not seen. In terms of symbols, because hum, like I said, human language has no words. Let me tell you, because there are a lot of musicians over here, all sitting over here. Brother Prem there, did he come today? Okay, there are lots of musicians here. Yeah? Lots of musicians. You know what? I'll tell you something. Music won't be the same in heaven. It cannot be the same in the heaven, because with music there are two things. One, there is time and there is beat. There is no time in heaven. So how will you play your music? Music will be completely different. What we hear on music will be cacophony in heaven. It will be a completely ball game altogether when we do Because if you read the book of Revelation, there's a lot of singing taking place. All are singing, but all cannot sing all songs. Then there's one set sort of people alone who can sing certain songs. There's a lot of singing. Why? When do people sing? When they're happy. If you're happy and you know it, there's a lot of singing. And the songs won't be something like even we can't even understand. The beat will be different. The music will be different. Because there is no time. Everything will be different in heaven. In the light of it, we look around and we realize, you know what I need to do? Take as many with me as possible. Your prayer life changes. Your work life changes. You will say, Lord, it doesn't matter what job you get. Give me give me a job where I can be a witness. I can be a witness to get people in. Because whatever I lose, nothing compared to what is waiting for me on the other side. Where are we going? Where are we going? Revelation 2, verse 7. He who has the ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the... From where man was cast out and cherubim with flaming swords. Lest he go and eat from the tree of life. He says, I will give it to you. And twenty-two seven. Behold, yeah, not twenty-two seven. the uh, the 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 other one. The tree, uh, verse three, two or three. Okay. Go to another part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the middle of the street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life. How can a tree be on either side of the river? So it's not talking about one tree. When you say, you know, mango tree, it's not talking about one mango tree. It's talking about trees which bear mango. So look at it. Which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So those who got saved, Harry, those who got saved, and they are in earth but did not overcome and all that, they, you know, they are still getting better and better there. They are being healed. Life is not like what we think. If we don't keep our minds on eternity, and where we are, look at another place, First Corinthians chapter 13, 9 to 12. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, understood as a child, I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. Do you know what it means? This is not talking about your appetites. This is talking about your mind. Our minds won't be like what you are thinking about now. So many things we cannot comprehend at all because our mind doesn't have the capacity to comprehend. God says in that life, the restrictions over your mind is taken out. What you know in part, you will know in full. And that is also one of the reasons the fellowship in heaven, there are no misunderstandings. There is only understanding. Because everybody sees everything and there is no misunderstanding. You know why misunderstanding comes? The word mis comes because you don't understand. So there will be perfect fellowship because there will be no misunderstanding. There will be no misunderstanding. The limits over your mind, because there are people who are interested in arts, there are people who are interested in sports. Let us say, uh, Pranit, where is Pranit? He's downstairs. Pranit? Yeah, he's downstairs. You know what? Pranit loves sports, he loves cricket. Do you imagine how we'll play cricket there? People who love sports, people who love eating, people who love music, people who love anything, prepare for heaven and leave the waste of the earth. Because that is where you will actually learn to love it. All restrictions are taken off. No restrictions. Absolutely no restrictions. You don't know. That is how the devil fools you. The devil fools young people. Even now, some of your minds are not here. You're already gone. You know why? Because you caught your mind. he's caught your mind. Because if he cannot get you into the kingdom, he got you into the kingdom, he will see to you that you enter there as nobody. Because the Bible says your works will go through the fire and some will just come with their salvation and nothing else. This is the trap. That's why all this teaching in the Bible, you read from Romans 1 to Revelation 22, 21. Do you know what it's all about? It's either about salvation or preparation for heaven. It is nothing about earth. Nothing is there about earth. Everything is preparation for heaven. For life, eternity. And that is the clue. How do you know you are saved? How do you know Sammy and Jyoti is getting married? Look at their preparation. That's how you know you get, they are getting married. All kinds of preparation. It's a mental preparation. There's a preparation for the wedding. There's a preparation of an apartment. There's the operation of utensils and utilities. There's a preparation at every level. How do you know you're going to heaven? Oh, because I, one day I lifted my hands and said, Lord Jesus, come to my... That's a preparation. How do you know where you're going? How do you know you're going someplace? When you travel, how do you, you just travel? Or you prepare. Like when I travel, I go to different places. I look at the place. I check. Look, I'm going to this place for ten days. First thing, how many days? Ten days. Day again, how many meetings? Then I look at the temperature for that whole week. Okay, if I'm going to this place, this is the temperature. It is hot. This place, it is cold. Accordingly, I do my packing. A day, full day meeting, or a day, three meetings. Because you know you are going to a place and I have an entire list. This is okay. This place I have gone before. In that place you cannot wear your shoe inside. So you don't need to carry two pairs of shoe. Only one will be needed. Informal. Because anyway you cannot wear it. In that place you can wear it. So you need one when you are walking on the streets. And you need the formal when you are standing on the pulpit. Why you are preparing? Because you know where you are going. You know where you are going. Now let me ask you this question. Do you know where you are going? That's a question God is asking. Hagar: hey where are you coming from? Where are you going? Do we you know where we are going? Serious questions to ask. Because Jesus said, it will be so fast. There will be not be time to change. There will be no time to prepare. It's appointed unto every man to die. And immediately what is it? Preparation. No judgment. Is that? And what is that judgment called in Hebrews it 6? It's permanent judgment. That's it. That's it. Is that? it. So the epistles are written to those who are saved prepare us for a place and a person to whom we are going. And that's what the whole thing is about. What kind of a body are you going to get? Are you upset? This one is doing that. I can't. God do says, don't worry. You, you know about Johnny, Johnny Erickson Tara, that lady who is quadripleic. You know, about her, you've seen her, and there's another guy without arms or limbs who goes around. He came to Hyderabad also, and they didn't allow him to speak in many places. You know, do you know what their testimonies are there? They said, "My shriveled arms and shriveled legs, in a twinkling of an eye, will be turned to glory." What hope does the people in the world have? Quadruple, like but not the believers. Not the, why do they push themselves around the world to witness Jesus Christ? Don't look at this body. That's not who I am. I know where I am going. And I know how I will change. And I'm pressing for my price. I'm pressing. Pressing. As Paul says, forgetting those things are behind. I am pressing forward. And God offers all these things to us. He lays it all before us. Doesn't matter what you're interested in. You sacrifice that now for the kingdom of God. All those who are fasting and praying and fasting and praying, God says, feast now. There's no need to fast in heaven. You have, don't have to pray in heaven. Your prayers have been answered. You're going to a place. Every prayer is answered. You don't have to fast. So he says, everything that you go over here, for the sake of the king and the kingdom, he says it will be recompensed over there in a body that is mind-boggling. You no, know, the fastest elevator or lift you get into it, let's say, you know, express elevators you have got into that, even that takes time. If the highest story of that city is 5, 1500 miles away, you just have to blink and you are there. That's one of our little ones asked the question: how long did it take for Jesus to come? You just have to. It's a different dimension altogether. If you read the Bible, it's a mind-boggling book. Let me ask you: which religion offers you anything like this? There is nothing like there in any religion because they don't know where they are going. This is not a hidden book, it's a very clear book where you began, where you will end. It's very clear. This is where you began. This is what happened. This is what I am doing. This is what I am preparing you. This is where you are going. Can I have the worship team over here? Think about it. Heaven. It's a place, a prepared place for a prepared people. I wrote some things. You can eat without worrying. Serve without exhaustion. Fellowship without misunderstanding. Learn without limitations. And rest without being bored. Because all the limits are taken off. But as the worship team comes here. I want to tell you something. No one goes to heaven by accident. It's an intentional decision. That's why the Bible only talks about two categories. Saved or lost. Once you are saved. Saved. The rest of your life is a preparation. Even as Jesus prepares heaven for us, we prepare ourselves for heaven. As they come, let's read Romans chapter 8. 18 to 24. Romans 8, 18. It's a song I don't think we have ever sung this year. We have sung in the church office. It's a song which we forgot. We should Remember. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Yeah. Yeah. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, we also who have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Eagerly waiting what? For the adoption. What is the adoption? The redemption of our body. The redemption of our body. Everything is constrained by this fallen body. And all the saints are crying out to be released from that body. So they can enter into the fullness of what God is offering it. For we are saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? So this is the hope in which you are saved. We are going to a prepared place. And God is preparing us for that. In the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says, Mort- mortality will become immortality. Corruption will become incorruption. Weakness will become power. You talk about, you know, Marvel comics, has Spider-Man and Bat. they will be nothing compared to the children of God is going to change it. So let's stand and let us sing the song which we haven't sung for a long, long time. Old-timer songs. Lord,
1: do Lord, do remember me
0: still here who doesn't know Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord? You don't have to wait till tomorrow because he may come tonight. Nobody knows that day or that hour. Nothing needs to be done more for him to come. The twinkling of an eye, like the thief in the night, he just comes. The church is gone. It's gone. The Bible says he comes in the glory of the Father. And his own glory. The glory of the angels. It's gone. Church is gone. And by chance you are left behind. You will have to come through tribulation. You lose your head. You'll have to die to make it. But now you can live to make it. So there's always a day called today. It's a day called today. And when the day is called today, God says, do not harden your heart. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. That's what the church is. Church has only two objectives. Get the unsaved saved and prepare the saved. It doesn't have a third function. Everything revolves around these two agendas. What is it? Compel those who are unsaved. Pray, fast, witness. Get them in. Once you are in, you are going there. Isn't that what all these young people are doing? They go to school. Think about it. They go to school. Five days school, six days school. Right? Nine to four, nine to three, nine to what? How many hours a week? For an average believer, even in this church, average believer, it is three hours on a Sunday. Preparation for heaven, eternity, three hours on a Sunday. That too, half of them fall asleep. While we flog our children for a career which you are not even sure about. That's the question God is asking. You and me, all of us is asking this question. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? That's why the Bible says God has made the poor in this world rich in faith, rich in faith, very rich in faith. Most of the people you meet in heaven, you will realize they did not own their own houses on earth. But they were okay because they knew they had a home in glory land. They were beaten and mocked and they went through everything because of their testimony. But they were okay with all the marks on their body because they knew they would receive another body. They went sleepless nights like Paul writes about his testimony without sleep. Because they knew a day would come. They would not need to sleep. And they considered it all as momentary affliction in the light of the eternal weight of God. This morning, God is telling us again, even as you live or not, even as you do all your daily functions, keep your mind and your heart on things that are above, not on below. Whatever you do on earth should have eternal value and eternal meaning. Eternal meaning. So let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Father, this morning we come to you the price you paid and went through to save us. 2,000 years, you are still preparing a place for your people. Even those two chapters does not fully cover. We don't even understand what it will look like. What your word says, eyes haven't seen, no ears heard. But God is preparing for those who love him. And it's not for a year... It's not even for 10 years. It is not even for 100 years. It is for ever and ever. And God will be in their midst. And he will be their God. And they will be his children. And he will wipe away every tear. It's a place of no more. No more death. No more pain. No more sickness. No more misunderstanding. No more, no more, no more. And everything that is good, it is forevermore. Forevermore. And I pray, Father, like the churches for those 2,000 years and even now in the persecuted nations have received that vision and they're willing to die for Jesus and not turn back we too in the free nations will receive that vision. His presence and that place he's preparing. If I go, he said, I will come back to receive you to my presence. There's a bride in our midst who's getting ready for Wednesday. But there is Christ's bride also in our midst. Men and women and children who are preparing for that day. And I pray everyone, everyone will catch that spirit. Put aside those things, don't profit in eternity. You told us, lay treasures in heaven. So while we live on earth, we can lay treasures in heaven. The rich young ruler was not willing. He said, sell it off. Give it to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. But he walked away. Put away. All those things that restricts and restrains the spirit of God in our lives. He says in my presence there is fullness, not half, fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Touch our hearts Lord. Every heart that has hardened That has strayed away. Caught by this false glitter of this world. Save us from ourselves. It's false. It is empty. Because John 2 was given a true vision of Babylon. The woman dressed in scarlet sitting on the beast. And he was also given the vision of the heavenly Jerusalem. Which vision will we follow today? The false or the true? Let there be surrender, Lord. Today is a new day. A new beginning. Let us turn our hearts and minds to things above. The one who is above. Prepare, prepare, prepare. For the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. Even to the first church you said, write this. Let them comfort one another with these words. Touch everyone, Lord. Touch everyone. Let there be peace in homes. Peace in hearts. Restoration. Not because of earth, but because of heaven. Not for something that is temporal, but something that is eternal. Turn the young minds to you, old minds to you. Touch, Lord, touch. Let that question ring in our ears. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? We pray each one will have the right answer the right answer. Thank you, Father. Thank you for bringing us through six months and 15 days, 16 days. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Let your unction rest upon every soul. Let each man, woman, child, help us to constantly prepare for the Lord's coming. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, amen, amen.